0: Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Welcome to First Forward, Advanced Scriptural Insight for Christian Soldiers. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Albany, Oregon. The readings for Lent 2 come to us from uh-oh, Genesis 17, Psalm 22, Romans 4, and Mark 8. And those that have been listening for a while know, uh, you know, I am I always gravitate to the Gospels, and I almost never, you know, interpret or reflect on the, the Psalms. That's not really the function of the Psalms, typically, in a worship service. Um, but you'll remember from last week... Uh, with Lent 1 and this this notion of covenant and what it means and where it comes from as a word. In the Hebrew word uh, that we translate covenant is from splitting or cutting. And that's why when Abram becomes Abraham, um, he walks or the, the Lord walks between these split animals. It was a ritual in the ancient Near East and it's a giving up of your wealth, your livestock, But it also is a a simile or a metaphor for your own own life being ripped apart um, and being grateful or thankful or recognizing that that's not happening, coming just up to taking your own life. It's like taking a vow of honor, right? Um, I really think we need to get back to this idea that, you know, all you really have is your word. And trust was tantamount to... Uh, nomadic people like Abraham has been called to be. He's called out of Ur to wander in the desert as uh as a Bedouin and as a Bedouin, as as a pastoral people, uh a tribe or clan, like what you have is what you have, right? You survive off the meat of your animals, uh the the kindness of strangers, and so your word is really supposed to be all important. You know, lying is so much bigger of a problem in the ancient world than it is today you know this was before you know propaganda and you know uh, marketing like what you said mattered and if you did not honor your own word there were consequences and people would tell other people that you were not trustworthy and so making a covenant is supposed to be this sacred vow the sacred honor that is signified in killing another animal um, and recognizing that I will kill it in my stead, and that's how much you know this is supposed to mean. And what caught my eye in um, in the reading from the gospel, um, Jesus is saying, and of course Mark is written after Jesus' death, in the midst of the rebellion in the in about 67-68 when uh, that will conclude with the destruction of the temple. Saul goes around writing all these letters in the 50s and into the 60s, dies in 64, and then the nationalistic element in Judaism, in Jerusalem, begins to take power, the Zealot party, as Josephus calls it, and they want Rome out. And the Sadducees and the, the people who have power in Jerusalem through Jewish means through the temple economy, they're like, oh, shit, man, you know, we're not going to hold this back. We need to throw in our lot with the zealot party. Um, and so Mark, as he's writing this, knows that trouble is brewing. And this is the farthest that a uh, the, the Jewish nationalism has gone. Um, there were, you know, kind of hotbeds of activity, Josephus and other and even contemporary writers that recognize there's there's messianic pretenders there's rebellious actors you know even before the Maccabeans right this is a a recurring theme and almost always they get knocked down and destroyed and so as Mark is writing this reflecting on Jesus's life um he's you know I hear in Peter saying so what so Jesus is saying look What's going to happen when you, in in, with me and with what we're doing, is I'm going to undergo great suffering. I'm going to be rejected by everybody—the priests, the lawyers, and theologians—and I'm going to die. But I'll be back. And Mark knows he'll be resurrected. That's not news to the community. He's just recording it. But what he, what the Markan community, and its author and, and editors and everything, seem to be remembering is that. Peter takes Jesus aside later and says, no, 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 we're going to win this thing. We're in it to win it, right? We're going to overthrow Rome, not like the rest of them. You know, we're not going to fail. And this is Peter that it it's that Mark puts it on the lips of, right? And, Pe- and maybe it was. But what's significant with Peter is that he's also the person who is going to doubt Jesus. Peter is so bought in. Peter is maybe one of Jesus' most zealous followers. Um and he is convinced that they're going to win that of all the other people you know Theodius the Egyptian you know all these other messianic pretenders they all failed even the Maccabees ultimately failed but we're going to win it with you Jesus and Peter and what upsets Peter is that it says he's Jesus is saying this quite openly and the the word is reoch, which is like speaking and then all or open right Everybody hears it. He's not hiding the fact that he's gonna be killed. And remember what I said last week in Lent 1. If you are if you're a human being and you think that you're gonna get away from death, I'm very sorry you're living in an illusion. That's a fantasy world. We're all going to die. Jesus knows it, I know it, God knows it, Peter knew it. But you want to get as much out of this life as you can, maybe. You want to get as much money as much freedom, as much success, as much power, I don't know, whatever the fuck it is. That is, I think, that impulse in Peter that is pushing back. And he says, no, 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 no. you're not going to suffer and die. I mean, yeah, maybe we'll suffer, but like dying, that's failure. And Jesus says, get, this is, he says, get behind me, Satan, right? And not because Peter is a douchebag necessarily, but because Satan and God are on opposing sides, they're not equals, but they are on opposing sides, and that's why he says immediately following, "You're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things, mere human things." That I can get as much out of this as I as I or I should get as much out of this life as I can. That success looks like being on top of my enemies, um, and this is well attested in the Psalms and everywhere. Like that's that's a human instinct, but like we forget that. All of it's going to be gone eventually. We like to forget that, you know, from dust we came and to dust we will return. The Egyptians used to bury themselves with their own possessions, thinking they would get them in the afterlife. And this, you know, this is, you know, I think it's still alive. We may not bury ourselves in caskets of gold or something, but we like, we set up uh, trusts and foundations to keep putting our names on shit. And that is what it means to be after human things. Soldiers in battle or even in service know that the chance that they're going to die is high in this moment. Um, many of us wrote, I, I called it a death letter. Or, is that what I, call it? Yeah, I think it? I, I don't remember what I called it. But I wrote letters saying goodbye to everybody. I sealed them in an envelope. I gave it to my dad and said, if I die, please hand these out. That is what it means to face death and to figure out what this life means when you don't have it, right? It's not what is my legacy, but what, what am I truly after? Am I after the things that I think I need to grab from other people? Or am I after the things that I know God has provided for all of us? Um, Peter was convinced and many of the early followers of Jesus were convinced that he was one of these imposs- one of these messianic folks, but the real one, right? And that the, the script goes, "I'm going to throw off our oppressors and then we're going to be free." And this is straight out of judges, right? that when the voice of the Israelites cry out on behalf of their taskmasters, their oppressors, a judge comes and saves them, Yasa. And the sa- the salvation usually comes through military means. Gideon, uh, Othniel, Deborah and Barak, like this is all they all saved Israel, quote unquote, through military means. And we'll forget for a moment that's that Joshua and Judges were metaphorically written. I mean they're it's very clear, it's not ambiguous. Um, but that is that is what we get in our head, that we just need this charismatic figure who is trustworthy and who can, who can wield the sword uh, to throw off our oppressors. And time and again in the Old Testament, when you actually read it, that's not what happens, right? Barak is not the one who wins. It's some woman whose name means mountain goat, Jael. And he doesn't get the, the credit for the win. Jael does, a woman does. And Deborah does, who is his commander. So we get these patterns in our head of thinking whether it's patriarchy, primogeniture, the oldest, shall get the largest inheritance. Like, we get these things in our brains, and the Bible comes along and says, no, 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 get, get that out, right? Be happy with what you've got. Sure, pain is bad. I'm going to come to your aid when you are under oppression, but it's not going to come in the way you think. That's why Martin Luther King, when he inherited the Double V campaign from black Civil uh, World War II veterans, he probably didn't know when or how he would die, but he knew it was going to happen. There was a, a, at least two assassination attempts, like he knew, right? But he, he almost certainly knew that very, very early on in the process. Otherwise, like if, if he didn't know and he was surprised that, you know, somebody's going to come at him with an ice pick at his chest, he would have walked away. But he knows that death is not the problem. It's what you do with your life, the impact that you have, and the extent to which you reflect God's goodness and togetherness here in the world. That the light can shine in the midst of darkness. That victory does not look like what you think it will look like. It will not be without compromise. It will not be without a little blood, sweat, and tears. And it it will always be partial until that moment that Christians and Jews had believed that God really would come back, right? And, and write all these things we have in Revelation and the, the same idea was alive and Jesus was here. And that's why they thought that this was God coming right now in all the glory that we anticipate, right? And what we learn in the Gospels is that God does come, but not in the form that we expect. It doesn't take the, the, the steps or the strategy that we anticipate, that we want, it's not, it's, it's not for us, for humans, it's not about vengeance. It's about following God and doing those things that God has, or, or becoming the kind of people, the kind of creatures that God has created. Good, together, right? Trusting, vulnerable. Um, and when that vulnerability is exploited for so long, it's hard to continue to be vulnerable. But that is what God does. Over and over and over again, Israel lets God down, and God never forgets Israel. Um, Jesus is the the culmination of God's promise, not the not the the end of it, right? I don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm hope. I'm trying not to say that this is the this is all of God's revelation. I think there is more coming, but what we have before us in the hebrew scriptures the christian testament um we've so often sold ourselves short um we're like peter well no 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 you know if if we just get control of the government if we just get this if we just get that like what if no what if what if that's not what god has called us to what if uh nationalism is is alive not only in the kind of make make america great uh populist kind of like Whatever fascist populist fascism or something I don't know. Um, what if it really is about being satisfied with what you have, finding the goodness in what you've been provided, and making the most of the things that you do have uh, in your power to um, to 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 live and to be the kind of world, communities, neighborhoods um, that reflect the values that we encounter. Um, in the Bible that God has been forming in us from the, from the very beginning. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Or, if you serve military families, subscribe to First Forward, a paid subscription feed providing commentary on Sunday lectionary texts a week in advance. Use it for sermon prep or just because you support the troops. Second, you can become a co host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instruction will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in an episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off of air. So there you have it. Three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen even if I haven't convinced you to fall in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac. Always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.